Hello everyone and welcome to episode 11 of the Mark Geis Show. This is your host Mark Geis and uh, before I get started with this episode I would like to say that I've made quite a few improvements to the website so it should be much more readable and uh, just easily organized now just separated with Mark Geis Show episodes, articles, and then my other podcasts. It's just those three sections on the website now and um, everything should be being sent to iTunes well now, so I've kind of ironed out all the technical difficulties I've had, found a very low-cost hosting option for this podcast and my other podcast. So hopefully all that is ironed out, and I had that ironed out uh, basically right after I finished up the previous episode, episode 10. So thank you for sticking with me. Uh, whoever has out there stuck with me through the issues I've had and some gaps in podcasts being released. I, n- I never intended for this to be a, you know, weekly thing or, you know, a certain number of times per week. So I just kind of put it out as a topic comes up that I think uh, I could put together a, you know, 20 to 30 minute podcast on, but uh, thank you for sticking with me and I appreciate it. And it should be pretty much smooth sailing from here on out. I've got it pretty streamlined. It's very quick to to record the podcast and get it posted. So thank you, and hopefully you enjoy this one. So of course, and I know that probably everybody out there has been pounded to death by this story, but I will discuss the Colin Kaepernick refusing to stand for the National Anthem story. I figure, yeah, I, I do risk getting caught up in what everybody else is saying and nobody listening to what I have to say, but if I don't talk about something that everybody's talking about, then... Uh, I'm not really part of the uh, part of the political discourse out there, and my thoughts aren't on the record about a about an important issue that a lot of people seem to care a lot about. So, for those of you that don't know, uh, Kaepernick refused to stand for the national anthem for the first three preseason games of the San Francisco 49ers. And Kaepernick, he uh, used to be the 49ers starter he started for them in the Super Bowl uh, which they lost he came on pretty strong replaced their former starter former number one pick and then he fizzled out over the course of a couple years and he came into camp this year battling for the starting job they had a new head coach Chip Kelly come in and uh, Kaepernick's fallen behind his competitor in that job so they're talking about he may get cut because he signed a huge deal 100 million dollar plus deal didn't have a ton of guaranteed money in it uh, so he can be cut without them having too much dead cap space basically without without them having too much of a drag on their salary cap space moving forward at least relative to the salary that he'll be paid so there was some talk that he may be cut uh, before all this happened but he's in a battle to make the team and he's played sparingly in the preseason so far but the, he came into the preseason this year and he hasn't stood for the national anthem in any of the first three preseason games. Nobody noticed it for the first two. Obviously there aren't a ton of people watching these preseason games. And a lot of times they're not going to film the national anthem and you're not going to necessarily be looking at the bench during the national anthem, even people that are, that are there. So nobody noticed it until the third game. The third game is typically the preseason game, of the NFL where the starters play the most. So fans tend to pay the most attention to that game. Uh, every team is a little bit different. Some teams do it differently depending on what their injury situations are and all that. But uh, the third preseason game is typically the best one to watch. If you're going to watch one closely, you should watch the third preseason game because your starters typically will play, you know, maybe at least a quarter, if not a half 
uh, and you'll see a lot more of your of your bigger time players because uh, teams don't want to play their starters in the fourth preseason game because it's too close to the beginning of the season. They don't want their players to get banged up. Whereas if a player was to get banged up in the third preseason game, there's plenty of time before week one, before the first game of the regular season, the first game that counts. Uh, so Kaepernick didn't stand, and somebody noticed it in this third game. And they talked talk to him about it afterwards. And basically he said that uh, the American flag represents or, – or the United States is a country that doesn't care about – people of color and minorities uh, and it's a country where minorities are systematically oppressed I don't know if he ever used the word systematically uh, but that was basically his message that not everybody here is equal and uh, essentially you know white people are a level above people of color mainly Hispanics and and black people so that was his message, and he talked for a while, answered a lot of questions. He did make sure to say that uh, it wasn't meant to be any sort of insult to uh, to people in the American military, and he talked about specifically the reason why he, he was doing this uh, was police brutality against people of color. So he talked some about uh, police training and... Uh, his thoughts on on policing in this country and uh, how he thinks that policing unfairly targets people of color. And until the country does something about it, until he sees significant change, I believe that's the term he used, significant change, he'll continue to sit for the national anthem. And this sparked a ton of outrage. And uh, you see this often with uh, you know, flag burning incidents, anything to do with the flag or the symbols of the United States, people are very sensitive about. The really the, the mainstream is sensitive about. And, I, it, and when I say mainstream, I mean just the average person in the in the U.S. And the average person in the U.S. is very pro-military, very patriotic. Um, obviously, I'm painting a broad brush. There are lots of people that are not like that, but I'm saying the average person is, and. There are a lot of people that I would call, you know, the average person in the U.S. that are also big fans of the NFL. The NFL is as American as apple pie, and a, a whole lot of the country is is into it. And I think there's a ton of overlap between those very patriotic, um, you know, pro-military uh, people that know a ton of people in the military. There's a ton of overlap between those people and fans of the NFL. And I do feel like I came from from that kind of environment as well, uh, where I grew up. Uh, I know a lot of people that went into the military that are in the military, and there is this uh, this patriotic sense. Uh, my family also is is like that. My dad's brother was in the military. Uh, my grandparents were in the military. Uh, my cousins in the military. Another cousin of mine, maybe going soon when he graduates from school uh so i understand this mentality and the flag really to people that are that are in the military or that you know are, are part of a military family a lot of times the flag is the representative of the military for them but just because i want to make the point that just because something a symbol means something to you doesn't mean that 
what somebody else does in response to that symbol that you should take it as an affront to you so to a lot of people yes the flag is a representative of the military and if you've been in the military or been around people in the military it's probably much more likely that you that you see it that way so by not standing for the national anthem people think that Colin Kaepernick is disrespecting the troops I don't really see it that way and I don't think that was his intention he made it clear he did talk about it quite a bit afterwards that that wasn't his intention so I I do want to defend him on that point also I think that I think that the the value that we place on these symbols I think it's over the top and it's kind of a symbol of propagandizing that's done primarily in in public schools to worship the state so to worship the United States of America the federal government and our military is a huge part of that federal government and the flag is the representative the flag is representative of that so I think it's a huge function there where we've been kind of brainwashed from a young age to place so much value in that flag and to associate uh, the state that we're supposed to worship with that flag and if somebody does something to that flag it it hurts us somewhere deep down inside it makes our it makes our stomach our stomach ache it makes us feel queasy um and it's it's understandable when you look at how uh how federal our public schools are now you know how we say the pledge from from day one when we get to school uh every day and that's one of the big the big points of public schooling in this country is for people to become indoctrinated into worshiping the state and if you look back at when public schooling was really being pushed especially from the federal level that was said by a lot of people uh teddy roosevelt said as much early on when when they were trying to push public schooling it was a way for american values to be inculcated in people and so it's understandable that when such a high percentage of Americans go through the public school system, one of the reasons for public schooling from the people that instituted it is to inculcate patriotism in its citizenry, that you're going to have this kind of reaction when people, quote unquote, disrespect the flag. Um, I think there's a big problem with placing that much value on a symbol like that. Uh so I'm almost more surprised by the huge reaction to it, uh, to, to what Kaepernick did, that people are so up in arms about it and saying they were offended by it. Um, a lot of people are saying, you know, I'm, I'm offended by it, but it's his right to do it. And I think that is the right approach to take. Um, but the people that are saying that, that, you know, the people burning his jersey, uh, the people that are, that are you know calling him every every name in the book. I don't I don't think that's really fair, especially when so many of the people saying that are the same exact people that are uh, calling PC the death of our culture and political correctness is the death of our culture. Well, not standing for the pledge or or for the national anthem, that's pretty anti PC. That's not a politically correct thing to do. So if, if you're in favor of it when people are saying certain things, you should be in favor of it when people say other things. That's really the test of if you're in favor of something. If, if you take that to the extreme or, you know, beyond the points where it feels comfortable, do you still support it? 
that's the test of of your support of something of of how strongly you believe in it and what i believe is that people are free to do what they people are free to do what they want and are and are free to to make a political statement if that's what they want to do even if i don't agree with it and an important point that i want to make is that i don't i think what kaepernick is doing so i've talked a lot it sounds like i'm 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 in support fully of what Kaepernick did. That's really not the case. His message, I think he's looking at things from way too narrow a lens. And I think it's hurting, it's hurting his message of support by framing. So framing police brutality through a racial lens, I think for lack of a better word, it's lazy and it's too easy. And I think it's not true really. When you look at the facts, you can look at the facts and show that police brutality is an issue. But if you actually look at the breakdowns by race, it's an issue for all races in this country. And it and and if you I've I've made this point before on this podcast, but if you look at the breakdown of violent crime in the United States, you can also look at the most accurate crime statistic is homicide rate. Blacks and whites commit about the same number of homicides and about the same number of violent crimes in a given year. But blacks are 12, 13% of the population and whites are uh, like 65, 70% of the population. Um, You would expect then deaths at the hands of police to be probably about equal between blacks and whites. But actually about twice as many whites are killed as blacks in a given year. So there's... Though the media is painting it that way, because obviously that gets clicks, that gets views, uh, people, I, I don't want to say love racial strife, but it's its something that gets a lot of people fired up and gets people watching or reading, talking about a story. So the the issues of of a police officer killing, uh, killing a black person rather than a white person gets much more press. And that has definitely been happening. And it's understandable that the media has done that. And I, I don't want to vilify the media. Their, their business is out to make money. I really blame the, the public for wanting racial strife so much and for wanting to read so much about it. It really does come back to the public. The media is feeding the public what it wants, and it's reinforcing these stereotypes that both whites and blacks have and makes things worse and they, it just keeps feeding on itself and getting more and more intense and that's why you have the racially charged environment that we have today but if you look at the if you look at the police brutality issue it's not a it's not an issue for one particular race and that's what i don't like about the way that kaepernick has framed his discussion because it's all through a racial lens and i think it alienates a lot of people that otherwise might be be receptive of what he has to say um I would hope that everybody's at least respectful of his ability to say it and is listening to what he has to say. But if you listen to a lot of what he has to say, it's through that racial lens. And a lot of it, I think, is misinformed. You know, a lot of what he says, it's it, it's twisting facts to present them in a certain way that fits your your ideological uh, pre-conclusions. So I have a problem with that. However... Um, I do think there is an issue with, with policing in this country and deaths at the hands of police in this country. And the reason for that, which 
you know, people never get to these, these advocates never get to it's, it's putting too much power in the hands of the state. So putting too much power in the hands of federal government of the state governments, taking too much power away from the individual and delegating it to them, then allows them to control our lives more. And the police are the arm of the state that allows them to carry this out that allows them to restrict people's liberties and you see these clashes a lot of times have to do most of the time have to do with behavior that isn't affecting anybody else with it's with with drugs or you know with with drunkenness or with prostitution you know things that are personal choices that you putting something into your body or you contracting with another adult where nobody's affected, where both people are consenting. And people see the police enforcing these kinds of things over and over again, these kinds of actions. And I, and it's not really the fault of the police themselves, though, though I do think that the, the disrespect then that the public has toward the police then leads the police to get more violent and confrontational than they otherwise would. And once again, those reinforce each other and just cause situations that otherwise would just be peaceful and normal to escalate into violent situations. But really at the crux of the issue is too much power being given to governments to control our behavior. And then police are the arm of the state that enforces that. So I would have liked Kaepernick to maybe take it to that level. He, he did start to criticize police a little bit and their, uh, their training or their lack thereof. Um, but I think what he has to say there, it's, it's a function of public policing and really public, public police departments have a monopoly over police powers over, over a given area. Sometimes there may be some overlap, you know, there may be a, uh, a city police department and a county police department and maybe some state troopers. Um, so there's some overlap there, but really over your jurisdiction, you have monopoly power. So if, if you're the town of so-and-so police department, you don't have a competitor trying to take over at, and share some of the responsibility with you. You're it. And so there's very little accountability there with constituents, really with your customers. And really the police departments, the punishment that they get, so say they get sued by somebody for wrongful death, yeah, probably an individual officer is going to get in trouble, uh, may go to jail, at least get fined, suspended, whatever. But if the police department gets sued, it ends up being taxpayer dollars that's being paid out in that settlement. So there's, you're not managing someone else's money like a business would. You know, you don't have to report to shareholders. If you get punished, you're just being punished, and it's being and more has to be taken or less has to be spent that's already been taken from taxpayers to finance uh, to finance your police department. So I think that's one of the big problems with public policing is captive customers, and you don't have a choice. Yes, you can go through the court system if you have a, a bad interaction with, with a police officer. There are ways to try to address it, but it's very difficult to do. And at the end of the day, it's, it's not as powerful as taking my business elsewhere taking my business to another firm. So I know that I know that policing takes a huge leap of faith to start th thinking about from an anarcho-capitalist 
point of view. So think about how could police, how could policing be separated from the government? So how could policing be provided by, uh, by private firms, by private businesses? It, it takes a lot to, 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 to take that leap of faith. It's easy for a lot of people to, to see the libertarian arguments in favor of, you know, legalizing drugs or legalizing prostitution or removing the welfare state, um, uh, re restricting the military. Um, there, there's, there are similar arguments in favor of privatizing defense as well um, that are kind of in the similar vein to, to privatizing police. Uh, but a lot of the arguments of libertarianism are, are easy, to, easy to convey and easy to understand. But uh, from an anarcho-capitalist point of view, trying to to talk about privatizing police it's a, it's a difficult one and it's one that i don't think i can even get into any more than this on this show i would recommend there's a great talk by by robert murphy and if you don't know him great economist uh has several books i've really enjoyed a co-host of the contra krugman podcast which is fantastic co-host with tom woods uh, really one of my favorite economists out there and one of my favorite lecturers, but he has a great, uh, he has a great lecture out there about providing for, uh, or privatizing police. And also I forget what the book is called. It's two essays and it's available at the Mises Institute. Um, I can't believe it's escaping me. I, I just read it not too long ago, but where he discusses that as well. So he, He's willing to go into those areas where not a lot of libertarians are willing to go into and try to attack how that would work conceptually. But anyways, I want to get back to the point. And another way that I wish that Kaepernick had approached this issue was to look at things more from a foreign policy angle. Because I think a lot of our, a lot of our domestic issues having to do with, with the state overrunning personal liberties – a lot of it has to do with our foreign policy, and I think, I think that domestic policy stems from foreign policy and not vice versa. So, our interventionist foreign policy and our expansive foreign policy is, influences how we do things domestically, rather than our domestic policy then causing what we do abroad. I think it works the other way, and the foreign policy that we have is just disastrous being in 135 some odd countries around the world i've been what, 10, 000, 8 to 10,000 bases around the world uh, countless you know tens hundreds of thousands of troops around the world uh, it's it's ridiculous and it's gotten us enmeshed in all these conflicts where there's no way to win and we stay there and we sacrifice young people's lives and that's i think far more destructive and something and something we should be talking about far more often than we talk about uh deaths at the hands of police i'm saying both are both are important issues but i think that the deaths at the hands of the deaths at the hands of police is a function of our foreign policy abroad and once 9-11 happened it gave us the perfect opportunity to clamp down domestically to take away more personal liberties that it would have been impossible to take away prior to that. And all of this happened pretty quickly. I mean, it's only been 15 years since 9-11, and already the police state is far more expansive than it was before. Um, 
but I wish Kaepernick had talked more about foreign policy and uh, I think he would have people would have been much more receptive to that as well so I said before I think if you if he wanted to focus on the on the police brutality issue he would have been better off not framing it in that racial lens but I think he would have had even more impact had he talked more about foreign policy and how it's affecting us domestically kind of taking it so even if his ultimate issue is he thinks that too many minorities are being killed by police you take it one degree out to now let's look at police brutality and talk about that as an issue and then you take it another degree further out and talk about okay too much power in the hands of the state and then take it another degree out and say our huge expanding military and our presence abroad is the issue so i would have liked to have seen that kind of train of thought and I think it would give you a more, more coherent and uh, really a more forceful thesis to try to get people to support what you have to say. But I can't really, I mean, my, my purpose here isn't necessarily to critique exactly what he said, but I think more talk about the public backlash to it. And I think placing so much value on the flag and wanting to have laws against burning flags and you know, things like this restricting freedom of speech is is the wrong way to go now of course the nfl has every right to to punish him or to force him to stand or whatever they want to do if they want because freedom of speech isn't protected when when you're an employee and your employer wants to portray a certain image they have every right to do that if they want i don't think they're going to do that uh, i I think we probably would have heard something by now already if they were going to do something. I don't think they will, though. But what I what I hope is that this sets a precedent where the NFL doesn't restrict any political speech. So whether a guy is on this side, where I think it's become much more acceptable in the mainstream to um, talk about uh, police brutality or to you know be in favor of Black Lives Matter or whatever to frame things from, from a racial perspective, like that's become much more acceptable in the mainstream, at least to the mainstream media. Um, but if somebody was to come out on the opposite side and to come out and criticize Black Lives Matter, say, then I want that person to have the same protection that Kaepernick had. Be consistent across the board. If you're going to restrict political speech, restrict it across the board, regardless of, of what somebody's saying. I, I don't think they're going to go that route. But if you allow your employees to, to speak about political issues social issues be consistent across the board so that's how i hope the nfl will approach it something like this i'm not i'm not one of those fans that's gonna uh, you know run away from the game because of something like this uh even though i am kind of sick in society of every problem being framed as it's, it's white people's fault. It's all about systematic oppression and, and racism. I am kind of sick of that. And I, I don't think it's a way, it's not a way to get anything done, first of all. But it's also a way to, to foment even more divide between the races. When I think now, if, especially if you look at young people, there's, there's, there's less divide among the races in terms of achievement and in, in terms of... Uh, integration than ever before and of inclusion than than ever before so there's no reason why racial tension should be at a 40-year a high 
there, there's no reason why it should be that way. But the reason why is because certain people have an agenda and they're pushing that agenda saying that white people are racist and that's why we're being held down and victimhood is comforting. So, you know, a, a substantial portion of the minority population embraces this message of victimhood and then a substantial portion of the white population is pushed away by this you know i don't people are saying i don't always want to be called racist i don't think that's fair it's not fair for me to be held accountable for for what my ancestors and if my ancestors were even in this country generations upon generations ago for something that happened then it, it's not fair for for me to be held responsible for me to now be blamed for everything that goes wrong in this country so i think this could push some fans away but if if any if the nfl has proven anything in recent years it's that it would take i don't know what it would take for a substantial portion of fans to leave you know the the replacement refs didn't do it the domestic violence stuff didn't do it uh i don't know what could push a substantial portion of fans away it's just so popular uh, so I don't think there's going to be much backlash here, but I hope that the NFL now sets a precedent that, yes, we're going to allow our players to speak their mind, but players across the political spectrum are allowed to speak their minds, and it's not going to matter what the message is. We're allowing them to speak their mind. So thank you for listening. Um, I'm, I hope to have one about non-Kaepernick, because I know this one very well could get lost in the shuffle of what everybody else is saying about it. Uh, but I appreciate you listening. And looking forward to talking to you soon.